Okay, well, uh, another uh, good sermon tonight. And <clears throat> fortunately, it didn't say everything that I wanted to say tonight, like last night. <clears throat> so, um, all right, we're in the right place. Well, I'm Bobby. Everybody knows me, I think. So, thanks for being here. Uh, I appreciate it. I know that it is late and later than normal, and uh, but I am glad that you are here. So, all right, uh, my overall title is Abba Father, and the God that Jesus prayed to, the God that Jesus called Abba, the one he told us to call Abba, the God of the New Testament, we covered that last night. Uh, so tonight, <clears throat> after we talked about the God Creed and followed that through yesterday, uh, and the God Creed, Exodus 34, 6, and we talked about Salesforce Tower, you know, and all that kind of jazz. Uh, who is God? That's what Micah says. Who is God like you? And the answer is, God is love. God is Hesed. That's the God Creed. So the second part of that, when we're asking about who is this Abba Father, is the God who rescues the God who rescues. So, uh, I'm going to try to lay some groundwork for this, um, maybe in a way that you have thought about it, or maybe in a way that you have not thought about it. Uh, an old Jewish rabbi by the name of Rabbi Hirsch, he lived in the 19th century. He was a reformed, uh, fairly influential reformed rabbi. He has a statement that I find to be very insightful that the catechism of the Jew is his calendar. And for years, when I was growing up and reading the Bible, uh, the calendar meant absolutely nothing to me. I don't know about anybody else. The calendar was, you know, uh, what Americans have. And at, when I was really young, I really wasn't aware that other people in the world had different calendars. Soon, I... As I was growing, I knew that there was a Chinese calendar. But then I didn't really know, even when I was in high school, that uh, the calendar that I have was not the same calendar that they had, like in the Protestant Reformation. I didn't know that. And those things have changed. And then when I was reading the Bible, I didn't realize that their calendar was nothing like my calendar. And I didn't realize there was a calendar in the Old Testament that is completely different than what the Greco-Roman world used. And so... This calendar, though, is how the Bible tells a story, okay? And this is very, very important because I didn't grow up in a liturgical church. And this is going to be, hopefully, make a little more sense. But anyway, the catechism of the Jew is his calendar. This is very insightful. So, the God Creed, which is the 13 attributes we looked at yesterday is recited by the Jews on uh, every day, basically, except the High Holy Days and the Sabbath day. So it is very important. God is Hesed. And go to the... Well... Ah. It describes uh, what does God do. And... I might need a new battery, I think. 
don't even know how to get into this thing. Anybody got a battery? Ah, here we go. Okay, so the God Creed, 13 attributes, what does God do? Uh, <clears throat> the Israelites and early Christians, this is an important thing, is that they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a Bible, and the early Christians post-New Testament period also didn't have a Bible. When I say they didn't have a Bible, they didn't have this. Okay? They didn't have this. They didn't walk around <clears throat> with... Uh, um, you got that kind of battery? Uh, AAA? Hmm? I will check. Right okay, now. all right, thank you. Um, so they could not go to the synagogue or go to worship and then go home and carry their Bible to make sure that the preacher said everything right. They didn't have it. That's not the way they experienced the Bible, and in fact, it would be over 1,400 years before they could ever do that. It wasn't until Gutenberg came along that they were able to do that. So the early Christians and the Israelites, the way they experienced Scripture, is completely different than the way a modern evangelical restorationist experiences Scripture. And I think this is incredibly important because it is the calendar, again, that is the catechism of the Jew. It tells them what is important. This is why we find the early Christians arguing about Christology rather than solo. Okay, this is a big, big deal. So the Israelites did not so much read their Bible as they did acted. They acted their Bible. And when you do a play, if you were in a play in the sixth grade or the ninth grade, chances are you remember that. You lived it. And when you do family vacations and you do special stuff on that, you find out that uh, uh, you have a way of remembering that kind of stuff too. I'm a human. I'm going to do the most. I'm going to do Okay. So... Uh, so, story formed liturgy, and liturgy told the story. Again, this is how they experienced the Bible in the synagogue. This is how they experienced it in the, I mean, the temple. This is how the early church experienced the Bible, through a calendar. And in fact, the Christian calendar basically is rooted, it's sort of a baptized version of the Jewish calendar. So, <clears throat> um, okay, so story and liturgy tell us what Abba Father, the God of Israel, does. It tells us that God rescues. Now, it also tells us what we did last night. It tells us who God is. I believe that God is Hesed. Well, okay, that could be a fine idea. But what does the God of Hesed actually do? So the God Creed tells us who God is, and as we're looking at tonight, the Grace Creed is going to tell us what that God does. Okay? And this is the content of our faith. So, all right. All right, yes. Okay, so what is this calendar real quick? It's Shabbat, first of all. That's the basic, fundamental festival of the Jewish faith. 
And Shabbat is a festival. And what it does in the Hebrew Bible, this is something that's done every week. Kind of like in Christian tradition, we have the so-called Lord's Day every week. And we remember the foundation event in the Christian faith, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. Shabbat tells us what is foundational in the Jewish faith, the history of the Bible. It is the Exodus, and it is Deuteronomy. Well, Exodus 19 tells us that it's creation. So on the Sabbath day, or the Shabbat, you remember that God created the world in Hesed. What did the God of Hesed do? He created the world. And you remember that every week. Every week. That God created the world. And in Deuteronomy, the other pole, these are two poles, one a north pole and a south pole. On Shabbat, you remember that God created you out of love and God redeemed you out of love. So every single week, the rhythm of your life that you learn is God created you out of love and God redeemed you out of love. So this is, again, just as fundamental as what we have in our festivals. So what did God do? He created out of Hesed. He redeemed out of Hesed. This is what Psalm 136 is all about. You have basically the first nine verses, or maybe it's ten verses, that tell that God made the world, the sun and the moon, the stars, and it's Hesed, the steadfast love of the Lord, uh, out, you know, endures forever. The rest of it is the Exodus. It tells the story of the Exodus that culminates in receiving the land. But it tells what God has done. Psalm 136 is called the Great Hallel and is, again, in Jewish liturgy, actually used during the Passover. So, <clears throat> let's go to the, the next button. The next uh, thing on the calendar is the Passover, which basically does what uh, <clears throat> Jonathan Stormont told tonight. This is what God has done. For 15 chapters, the Passover, or, or the Passover celebrates those 15 chapters. Israel doesn't do anything. Israel gripes. Israel complains. Israel says, who are you? You know, Pharaoh says that to Moses too, who is Yahweh? And the children of Israel say, well, who are you? You know, uh, we, we don't want to pay attention to you. So Passover actually tells the story of God, the God of love, that is Yahweh, rescuing those who exist in uh, rebellion and sin and wickedness by his Hesed alone. If you ever want to have a story that teaches salvation, the fundamental act of God, by grace alone, I will use the word Hesed alone, the Exodus is it. In Exodus chapter 14, they, they're griping and complaining. And Yahweh finally just says to Moses, why don't you tell them to shut up and watch their God deliver them? And that's what He does. So the Lord rescued the Israelites even while they were complaining and griping and had no faith whatsoever. So the foundation story is what God has done. 
as I've said many times, Exodus comes before Sinai. But the Israelites did absolutely nothing there except complain, which is something that's picked up later, uh, even in the Gospels. So, again, uh, is it working? No? Well, I could probably just use the button over there myself if you want me to. Yeah, if you want to stand over there, I'll I'll do that. And I'll try to fix it. Yeah. All right, where's the buttons? Just just the bar. Right here? The bar? Okay. Uh, All right, so the next on the calendar is the Feast of Weeks or First Fruits, Pentecost. We know them by this name. So Deuteronomy 26 is where we're going to be shortly. But again, this tells the story of what God has done. Uh, and I'm going to come back to that in a minute, so uh, I'm not going to belabor that here. Then you have... Oh, you, you're going to do it? I'll help you. Oh, wow. Hey, all righty. <clears throat> you are an officer and gentleman. Just push the space bar. Uh, so Tabernacles is an interesting one. Um, also known as booths, but you're wandering around in the in the wilderness for a a generation, and you're wandering around in that uh, wilderness because you have sinned, because you didn't believe, and so when you observe this this festival, and it's a great festival, uh, you get to go camping for a week. It's like a family vacation. And you get to hear, this is a tradition that you're building with your kids, okay? And they're hearing the story. Well, why are we in this tent? Why did we build a booth? Well, you don't want to know what? Grandma and Grandpa, they didn't believe. But God took care of us. He fed us the bread of angels. He gave us drink. He even protected our feet. In the middle of our wickedness, rebellion, and sin... The festival tells us that God was watching over His people and caring for His people through Hesed. That's what it does. What did this God do, the God creed? This God did by protecting and caring for His people. And if you read the Psalms carefully, this this stuff is all through the Psalms. It goes back and retells the story. Let's go to the next one. Okay, all right, we already said all that, so let's go on. So the God of Hesed is the God who rescues. That's what the grace creed, as I call it, is. Again, Exodus 34, which we carried it through last night, is the God creed. It says, this is who I believe God is. The grace creed is what I believe God does. What does God do? So, we come to what is... The primary text uh, for this articulation of the Grace Creed. And it's in that book that uh, I knew absolutely nothing about when I was growing up. I knew absolutely nothing about it when I was in undergraduate school. Um, My major at undergrad was the Old Testament. And I, the only thing I learned about the book of Deuteronomy, literally, at undergrad school, was that it was the second giving of the law. That is what we did in Old Testament survey. 
I didn't know that Jesus quoted it three times in the wilderness. I didn't know that it is not the second giving of the law. That's a terrible thing. It is sermons by Moses who actually says, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on here, and let me tell you what is really going on. If you want to know what is really important in the Torah, read the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses, and Deuteronomy is literally one of Jesus' favorite books. Okay, it's like, wow, man, this is, this is good stuff. So when you get to Deuteronomy chapter 26, though, it tells us what the Israelites did in one of those festivals, which is first fruits or weeks or Pentecost. Okay, and so again, the, the, the calendar is the Jewish catechism. What did we do on this? We didn't read the book of Deuteronomy. We lived it. And we came and we did something on this particular day. So in Deuteronomy chapter 26, you have the occasion where the children of Israel, the people who did not live in Egypt, they were not slaves. They are the generation down the road. In fact, they are the children and the children's children of those that we heard last night in Numbers chapter 14 that they said they are going to be taken captive. You remember that from last night? Okay. These are the people who have come in and they received the blessing. They didn't inherit a curse. And so you come into the land and you are going to bring the first fruits. And this is something that's perpetuated. And so the first couple of verses says that you've come into the land, uh, you, take a, you gather first fruits and you put them in a basket, and then you go find the priest who's in office that year, and you lay it down before you, him and you say, Hey, I have brought this here. God has kept his promise. And then the priest takes it from you. He puts it in front of the altar. And then you're supposed to make a confession. You're supposed to make a confession. The New RSV translates this as a response. It's a response to what God has done. Okay? But it is a confession. It is a creed. And so the creed is, and again, this would have been taking place during what the Feast of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the whole week there. This would be going on. So... <clears throat> A wandering airman. This is the, I've gone to the temple, and, and this is what I say. This is the confession that I'm making to that God of Exodus chapter 34. But I never knew any of this stuff, okay? Because, again, I could tell you one or two things about the Old Testament growing up, but I really didn't understand it at all. A wandering airman was my ancestor. That is Jacob. So that takes you back to Genesis. And Jacob was a wandering air man. And what did he do? He went down into Egypt. And notice how it tells a story. It tells a story. This is, this is the creed. It tells the story of what has happened, what was done. So he went down into Egypt and he lived there. And I want you to pay attention to that word as an alien. That is a word that is an essential word to Israel's identity. We were not a citizen. He was an alien. Few in number. And notice how Jacob here is going to do double duty as well. He's the patriarch, but he also stands for the people. 
Okay? So, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. And when the Egyptians treated, and I want you to pay attention to the pronouns, how they changed. Okay? Because these people who are bringing this basket before the Lord were never in Egypt. They were never in Egypt. Treated us harshly and afflicted us. We cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard. And pay attention to the descriptions of what God did. The Lord heard our voice and saw our fiction. So the Lord heard and the Lord saw. The Lord, uh, he saw our toil and our oppression. He saw our slavery. He saw them killing our boys. That's what he saw. And then the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Every time you see that in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, 90% of the time that's going to be a shorthand way of referring to the story of the Exodus. Okay, that, that's what that refers to. So we pick up on this language as we're going through the Bible and say, what does this refer to? This is salvation by grace. He rescued us with a mighty hand. That's church on God's power is put in use to deliver the children of Israel. With a mighty hand, outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power, with signs and wonders, and you should see that, that because that shows up like in the Gospel of John. Jesus is going around doing all kinds of signs. And if you want to see the bridge between Deuteronomy and, and John on that, go read the Wisdom of Solomon. The Wisdom of Solomon is talking about the signs and wonders all the time. And, and that's the bridge over to which the Gospel of John has. So what Jesus is doing is this stuff. He's doing the God Creed stuff. He's doing the, the Grace Creed stuff. And it's like, oh, and then all of a sudden, and he brought us. Again, he brought us. We didn't come. He brought us. And that's what he says in Exodus 19. I carried you to myself on eagle's wings. If you're riding, if you've watched Lord of the Rings and you see Frodo getting on that big eagle, what is he doing? You know, he's not, he's not uh, hey, helping out the eagle. This is grace. This is Hasid. He brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And as we saw last night from the book of Joel, this kind of stuff, this is that eating language. He's brought us into this place like the Garden of Eden. All right, this is what God does. The God of Hesed is the God of rescue. So let's go to the next slide. So Deuteronomy, this is just a nice cool picture. Uh, the Jews are reciting this for thousands of years. This is a good, good uh, Jewish manuscript from around 1300 CE. So I just wanted y'all to see that. Uh, so this is the story miniature. It starts with the ancestors, that is Jacob and Israel. It tells of our oppression of the aliens. We are the aliens in Egypt that were noticed by Yahweh. The Exodus, it tells the story of the Exodus, 
That is the rescue. When you see the Exodus, when you read the Exodus, put this word in there. It is the rescue. Exodus is the rescue operation of Yahweh. That's what it is. By Hesed. It tells us in this, this creed of the faithfulness of Yahweh. Go to the next one. And it culminates in the gift of the land. Again, the gift of the land kind of ties into the Garden of Eden. you got creation and almost like a new creation right there in the Torah itself. So let's go to the next slide. So through worship, we step into the story of Hesed. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, these, the current generation who was not alive in the Exodus itself, all of a sudden, kind of like in Harry Potter, this becomes a porky, and it transports you to another time and place. The story, the worship itself, takes you somewhere else. I'm no longer here. I am now there. I am with those people who are coming out of Egypt. I am with those people who are being delivered. I am with those people who are being oppressed. I am the one that was oppressed. And God delivered us. So as many Jewish rabbis will say even to this very day, when you celebrate the Passover, you need to understand that it was you personally that God delivered. That's grace. Okay? For all we through this liturgy, through this worship, we become participants in the story. The story is not just about them, it is about us. And when I say us, it means the present generation with the past generation. And they are bound together in this story. And the liturgy tells the story, and the story is the content of the liturgy. I hope that makes sense. And that is the structure of Israel's worship festivals. They do not, and you can follow every one of those, and you can add Purim, and you can add Hanukkah to them. And there's not one festival, not one, that says anything about the particular commands of God to do this or that. The story is what God did. That's the story. The story is never, ever what you did. It is what you have received. That's the story of Israel. So, the story, in the story, we become vulnerable wanderers. The God, God in Hesed cares, even in our faithlessness. That's, again, tabernacles. Let's, uh, okay, uh, we skipped something. Go back. Uh, yeah, we're missing a whole slide. <clears throat> okay, I don't know where it went. Okay, so... Looks like we're going to end here because we we're going to do talk about, oh, oh, God rescues you. Let's go through this. Okay, yes, <clears throat> I'm glad we found this. The, when we look at this text and we examine this text, the term that's translated as wandering uh, in most Protestant Bibles occurs 185 times in the Hebrew Bible. That's quite a bit. But it's only translated wandering one time. 
And that's in Deuteronomy chapter 26. In other places, you might find it in the book of Deuteronomy itself, you shall win it when your, your neighbor or even your enemy's donkey wanders away. You shall do the same to the neighbor's donkeys or his garment, and you shall do the same to anything your neighbor loses. That's our word. Wondering. Let's go to the next. Uh, I have gone astray like a sheep. This is in Psalm 119. That's our word. Wondering. You shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their figured stones. Destroy all their cast images. And demolish all their high places. That's our word. Wandering. Let's go to the next. There's two basic ideas in this word. That is the idea of perishing, destroyed, and becoming lost. My ancestor was something that's in this word. My ancestor was... Let's go to the next slide. My father was what? Here's a series of translations of that word. Okay? Peter Craigie, in his commentary on Deuteronomy, uh, translates it as an ailing. That is, he's dying. Like those... those uh, Idols that are getting smashed. He's perishing. Uh, John Goldingay, in his uh, translation, the First Testament, translates it as, My father was an Aramite refugee. Uh, in the Shokin Bible, which is a Jewish translation, an Aramean astray, my ancestor. If you look at the New English Bible and the Revised English Bible, it says, My father was a homeless Aramean. If you look at the Tanakh, which is another Jewish translation, it says, My father was a fugitive Aramean. If you look at the Common English Bible, it says, My father was a starving Aramean. If you look at the, uh, the Bible in American translation, <clears throat> which is E.J. Goodspeed, uh, he said, A nomad Aramean was my father. In the story, this word wandering, as the NIV translates it, or the New RCV does too, uh, that word shows the, the vulnerability of who we are. That's what it is. And I really like Golden Gate's translation a lot. He was a refugee. That's why he went down into Egypt in the first place, because they had no food. So, the God of rescue, the, God, the Grace Creed tells the story that the Lord heard, the Lord saw, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the Lord brought us into this place, the Lord gave us this land. This is the grace creed. It tells us what the God of Israel does. It tells us that Yahweh saves. It tells us that Yahweh rescues. This is the story of the festivals of Israel. This is the story of the calendar. This is why Rabbi Hirsch comes along and says, The Catechism of the Jews. 
is the calendar. This is why Yaakov Shmoto could tell me, as I said last night, if the Apostle Paul, your Apostle Paul, uh, was half the student of the Hebrew Bible, as you people say he is, he didn't have to become a Christian to know that Yahweh was a God of love. Because the catechism had already told him that. And so sometimes we project things onto the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible that simply do not, you can't find there. But let's go to the next slide. So the Grace Creed summarized in summary, you can find it all over the Hebrew Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 21 through 23. Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 through 13. Judges, verses uh, 15 through 27. First Samuel, uh, you find it. Nehemiah chapter 9. Again, these are the what I call the, the narrative summaries of the history of Israel that focus on these specific moments in the history of Israel. This is what God did. This is what Yahweh has done. You will find it in Psalm 78. You'll find it in Psalm 106. In fact, as we heard last night, and I recently wrote about this on my blog and in my, on Facebook, that Psalm 103, which we talked about last night, all the way down to 107, is the Bible in miniature. The only thing it doesn't, it doesn't say Jesus, but the goal of the story is in fact here. Psalm 107 is talking about these people who have been scattered all over the place, and at the right time they cried out to the Lord and He saved us. And this is where uh, the message probably gets it, the, the idea pretty good. It says, in the nick of time, Yahweh saved the people. In the nick of time, He did it. Oh, it's great. Uh, so from, well, we can go on. So we confess what God does. That's why we call it the creed. We confess what He does, not me. The Grace Creed in Deuteronomy 26 reveals the emphasis of the faith of the Hebrew Bible. And it also reveals the emphasis of Judaism. Okay? And when we get this in our head, and we start reading Jesus, and we start reading Paul, and we don't say in our head, well, well, those, those Jews, they just didn't believe in grace. Well, yes, they did. Okay? Um, and you don't even have to read the Old Testament for that. You can go read the Dead Sea Scrolls. Go read the hymns in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And you'd be amazed at the stuff that you find there. Uh, read the Apocrypha. Read the Prayer of Manasseh. Uh, the Prayer of Manasseh, if there is anything in the Apocrypha that needs to be in the Bible, Prayer of Manasseh is it. It is just amazing. So the, it is the story of the God who in astonishing Hesed or steadfast love has acted on behalf of people so worthless that it was legal to murder their sons. That's what the story tells us. And one little place where you find the essence of that succinctly is, in again, in the book of Deuteronomy, a text that I never heard of growing up, but this is where we'll end. And Moses is talking to the Israelites. And, and he says to them these words, The Lord 
did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people. Now, read that sentence and put that in, in contemporary language or something like that. The Lord didn't choose you because you were important. You were the tiniest of all. That's what you were. You weren't Egypt. You weren't Babylon. You weren't the Hittite Empire. You were not Mari. You were not any of those. Okay. God didn't choose you because you were big and famous, important, powerful. In fact, because or for you were the fewest of all people. And we need to hear that again. You were the least of these. That's what you were. But it was because. Here's the because. It wasn't because you did something good. It was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath He swore to your ancestors. Now it gets to what He did. This is why He's love. That's the God of love, the God of Hesed. He brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And again, we talked about that Pharaoh last night. He's like a, a deity, a God, incarnation of, of Egyptian theology. He's powerful, you know. Um, he redeemed you from that Pharaoh, from that, that God who said, Who is Yahweh that I should pay attention to him? Know therefore that the Lord, Yahweh, your God is the faithful God. This is in the God Creed. He's the faithful God. Keeping His covenant of love. How many times when we were growing up in the vacation Bible school did we hear that the Old Testament was law? Law. Moses doesn't call it that. It's the covenant of love. In fact, the Old Testament over and over and over calls it the covenant of love. It's the covenant of Hesed. That's what it is. He keeps his covenant of Hesed to a thousand generations. That's the, that's the Salesforce Tower we were talking about yesterday. He keeps it to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. And so in this little bitty space of three verses, you have the essence of the God Creed and the Grace Creed together. Who is God and what did God do? And this is again re reinforced over and over and over and over through the story. And you learn the story not by going home and reading it over and over and over. You learned the story by worship. And in your worship, you actually became a participant in the story itself. And the early church did this. They inherited this exact this is what the Lord's Day is. This is this is what it is a festival. And you tell the story, a continuation of the Passover, a continuation of the Sabbath, a continuation of all that kind of it's not a repudiation. The God who is Abba Father, the 
God of Hesed and the God who rescues is again at operation on this day that we continue to celebrate His mighty acts. And He is acting again. And we are now a participant in this again. And we enter the story. Paul is using good Jewish logic here. I have been baptized with Christ. I have been buried with Him. All of a sudden, I am with those ancestors all over again. And I am coming out. And now I'm sitting at the table just like the Israelites did with God. And as you read that text in Deuteronomy chapter 26, by the way, we didn't read it all, that that space where they all come together, it's not just for the Israelites. You go and you get the aliens and you invite them and you sit down and you eat that basket that you brought. So the story is egalitarian. And it's all through. God is now blessing the nations through the children of Abraham. And they all become one while they're sitting at the table eating with God. That's a great stuff. And you can read that in the rest of Deuteronomy chapter 26. Uh, but I'm going to end there. Um, I think that's the last slide. Anyone have any questions? Uh, no? I'm glad. It's getting late. Say again? Worth the wait. i got to come to you because I'm deaf. It was worth the wait. Oh, worth the wait. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. So, for those people who don't hear, she said that was worth the wait. <laughs> All righty. Well, I, number one, I want to say thank you for coming out. Uh, I know that... Uh, it was later than normal, and it seemed like uh, it was late to me. And I was actually wondering if was, anybody was going to show up, so I'm glad y'all are here. So uh, I appreciate it. I'm honored that you are here, and I'm pleased. So may the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you shalom. Shalom. That's what we're looking for. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,